the astrology chart to me is the map of who you are that if you are so one with the universe and one with the planets then it would have its stamp on you and the astrology chart is the human's way of trying to put into graphical terms what that stamp is when you come into this world you are born at a time that will never be repeated all of the stuff out there will never be in that place again similar to you never put your foot in the same river it's always changing because the water is always flowing so that map that chart this is, is a graphical way of trying to explain discovering it. the voice within with whitney and jenkins hello and welcome to episode number 44 of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. This week, I have with me Robbie Hunt. Robbie is a rogue astrologer who uses her skills as an experienced contrarian to combat junk astrology and astrological ignorance. She's a practical mystic and esoteric who dances with life as a metaphysical Christian minister and a teacher of earth-centered wisdom. She's a crafter of ceremonies that move others through the transformations in their lives. A born and bred country girl who grew up in the middle of nowhere, raised on country music, stock car racing, and respecting your elders. She's a badass Aquarian who gets her kicks cooking rather tasty but totally unfancy cuisine while listening to Bollywood tunes. And with all of these talents, she surrendered to what her life's work is all about, revealing what society, culture, religion, government, education, and other bureaucratic fundamentalist and boondoggled systems have hijacked, compromised, and corrupted. Robbie is also an expert contributor and guide in Serious Joy, which is an astrological service that was developed by Christopher Witecki. She is currently the voice of the daily pep talk in a series within Serious Joy. And I know Robbie through Serious Joy, as I've also had the pleasure of having a personalized natal chart reading from her. And so I can tell you with great confidence that she really knows her stuff. We're also both members of a group called Coffee with Devin by Devin Dewar. And Devin was a previous guest on the podcast where she talked about her connection with the angelic realm. If you want to scroll back to episode 33, you can find my conversation with Devin there. I'm really, really excited to share this conversation with you that I had with Robbie. We talk about a variety of topics, including the current planetary positions and how that's affecting our current state of the world. I think you'll find that Robbie is a wise, wise lady, and she has a lot of wisdom to contribute to the world. I'm really, really happy to help her share her light as more people are discovering the gifts that she has to share with us. So without further ado, here is Robbie Hunt. I'm ready, go. <laughs> All right. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. You have such a rich background and in some cases as a minister and astrologist, some circles, I feel like those might be a little even contradictory. And so you had to go through a lot of things in order to get where you are in your life. And so I like to get back to the beginning of Robbie Hunt and ask you about the first moments that you realized that you had this intuitive side to yourself and uh, you recognize it as like part of your authenticity and it was purely you. Do you have a moment that you can recall that reflects that? Yes. There was a day when I was around eight or nine years old when we had a new refrigerator delivered. And in those days, they always had big boxes that they were in. And so there was this big box that I got to um, have as my own. Mm -hmm. And 
I grew up in the country. I grew up in the middle of nowhere in the middle of 35 acres of land. And I remember my dad taking that box and he uh, cut out a hole like a, for a window. And I laid in that box, put it on its side, laid in that box and through that window, I could see up into the stars. Now, like I said, this is in the country. Mm-hmm. And seeing the stars was a whole lot different than what a lot of us experience now. Right. I remember looking at those stars and having this sense that I was bigger than the moment. Mm-hmm. That I was bigger than this life in Cherokee County, Georgia. That I was bigger than what I knew. And there was this thought that came over me that said, and you'll be a star. Oh, and, you know, as a kid, you think an actress or a singer (laughs) or somebody famous. So I spent a little bit of my early youth trying to catch that star Mm -hmm. to realize it meant something different and a being in front of people in a very different way than what my little eight-year-old mind had gathered. But I've never forgotten it. That feeling of knowing in that moment, just something that washed over me, that I was bigger than what I was experiencing right at that moment. Yeah. Were you able to share that experience with your parents and explain what happened? Yes and no. Um, I was always outside laying in the grass, looking up at the sky. So that was nothing new. When I would do stuff like that, when I would come in and say to my mother that I had gotten, uh, you know, we didn't use the word download then, uh, but I had gotten um, a message or that I had thought about something. My mother, who is very a very practical woman, incredibly practical, but also very intuitive, with somebody doing, yeah, 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 you're my little Martin Luther King. You're my little Martin Luther King. Did you have another Martin Luther King moment? <laughs> so it wasn't that she didn't believe me, but she also wasn't going totally there. I think if, you know, there'd been some flash of lightning and a, a burning bush like Moses experienced in the Old Testament, she probably would have believed me. But uh, less, given that there was no physical uh, uh, evidence of, of the experience I just had. She was kind of like, yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. So did you grow up in a traditional, uh, Christian like background? Yes. Yeah. My family was Southern Baptist and my, uh, grandparents were deacons and elders in the church. At what point did you stumble across astrology and find yourself aligned with that? Because I was always outside looking at the stars, I think that's where it started. Because Mm -hmm. in my world, if you're not a good astronomer, you can't be a good astrologer. Yeah. So I was always looking at the sky to this very day before I go to bed every night. I go outside and look at the stars. So I think that's where it started, that there was an understanding that there was a connection Mm -hmm. with that out there that my little young brain couldn't understand in the moment. I was always interested in astrology, but I don't think the real kick of it, as in I need to really make this personal, was not until 2010. Oh, wow. So I admired it from afar until one day I heard, I heard an astrologer, and I don't even know who it was, who said something that was just like, what? that doesn't make any sense. And I think I had looked up something online and, and there it started my, my whole thing of, I don't think y'all have that right. And I think that's where it got started. Do you remember what it was uh, that triggered that moment that you felt that you needed to investigate further? I do. And it was about the planet Saturn. So traditional astrologers call planet, uh, the planet Saturn as uh, they use the term a malefic, which means it's not good for you, and that um, 
it was the planet of restriction. And something about it when I read that was like, no, 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 that is not right. Hmm. And I don't know why, but something came to me and said, go outside. You can see Saturn. So I went outside. I live in a condo. So there's a common area where you can sit out in the grass and see the sky. And I did. And the funny thing was, I did. And there was an accident down the street. And so all of the power for this road, the street that I live on, was out. And so I could see the sky so much clearer because I didn't have all that light pollution. Right. So I'm sitting there and I can see Saturn because I'd already been playing with the astronomy, knowing where the constellations were and the type of thing. Mm -hmm. I entered into a meditation with Saturn and it told me I'm not the planet of restriction. These rings around my orbit are a cradle. I'm here to keep you in a, an energy while you are being built, while you're being calibrated, and while the energy of what you seek is being created. The oh, wow. situation that you seek is being created. I won't violate your will, but I am going to keep you here until things are ready. And that where people got in trouble, where Saturn gets called a malefic planet, is when our ego kicks in. And we break ourselves out of that cradle. And that it's not a malefic planet. It is a very nurturing, very taking care of me planet. And that it's keeping me in a space not to restrict me, but to build up the place where I want to go and build me up so I'm ready for it when I get there. And I remember at the end of that meditation, thinking, I am not about to read that in any astrology book. And from that point on, I never looked at an astrology book. I went out and I meditated with every planet so that it would tell me what it was really all about. And that's what started it. You're really looking at the light and the shadow of each planet and everything that they encompass. Well, to say that a planet is there to restrict you would mean that God universe created a planet specifically to hurt and harm you. And that, that just doesn't, that doesn't work. All things are created for your benefit. Yeah. It's when our ego misuses them that the malefic or the life negating part comes into play. So would you like to share like what astrology like in the big picture means to you and how you're able to use it and to adapt to your life and, and navigate and be able to guide other people as well? Sure. The big question is, why does astrology work? At this point, I have a theory and I'm still trying to test that theory. So if you were to look it up and, you know, Google it and see what all of those people have to say nobody really has their hands around what astrology really is and how it works the best that i can come up with is at one point all matter now i'm, I'm speaking strictly of the physical but all matter was one and something that sparked the expansion of God consciousness also expanded the matter. And over time, as this matter moved away from its origin, collided with each other, became attracted or repelled with each other. It created galaxies, universes, 
our solar system. And so part of why astrology works is because we have we come from the very thing that was the planet. Yeah. Earth came from this single collection of matter. And we came from that matter. Now, I know there's people who talk about starseed and all that other kind of stuff. Even if that's the case, we would still be something that got its origin from a planet that at one time was all together with matter. Mm -hmm. So we're connected to it. We have watched over centuries and centuries. We see that when the planets do certain things, humans act certain ways. So we've got to be tied to it somehow. And certainly we understand that with regards to the moon and that when the moon does things, it impacts our tides. We feel one way when there's a particular full moon versus when the moon is not full. So to me, astrology works because I'm connected to those planets. I am a part of it. They're a part of me. And so as they go, because they are a bigger energy than I am in the physical. So as they go, it has to have an influence on me. That's the best I can come up with right now. Yeah, I think that's an excellent description. I've had a reading from you. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have that. And so you, you have this this map of like scientific kind of almost structure but also you combine it with your intuitive side the astrology chart to me is the map of who you are that if you are so one with the universe and one with the planets then it would have its stamp on you and the astrology chart is the human's way of trying to put into graphical terms what that stamp is when you come into this world you are born at a time that will never be repeated all of the stuff out there will never be in that place again similar to you never put your foot in the same river it's always changing because the water is always flowing so that map that chart is a graphical way of trying to explain it but we haven't, we haven't hit on it 100% yet. I think that there are still graphical ways that we have yet to learn how to, how to graphically design that relationship between you and a physical form on earth and the rest of the cosmos. So intuition then ends up kicking in on the part that we still haven't really been able to put graphic design to yet. And so there is a part where a little bit intuition, but an equal amount of just understanding human history, psychology, um, all kinds of systems shows me, yeah, if these kind of energies come together, they typically end up this way. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit uh, of experience uh, coming in there, experience that shows me, yeah, when this happens, this is typically the end result of it. And then there's a bit of intuition to try to fill in the gaps where our human consciousness hasn't been able to 100% delineate and capture what that connection between us and that out there is. The astrology chart, at least from a geocentric point of view, is about life here on earth. It's how we relate to that life on earth and how the, that cosmos impacts us. I think there will come a time when we will, we will expand those charts. I mean, there is a heliocentric chart that looks at everything from the sun's perspective. But I think 
the astrologers, once we move into the age of Aquarius, will probably look also when they do a reading at the heliocentric and be able to tell you more about your connection to the greater and not so much about how how you're going to do it in the physical here on earth yeah to look at everything in a more holistic view mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah and and it seems to uh, somewhat have trickled into other things like psychology and like the union archetypes and those kinds of things too i tell people if you're going to be a good astrologer you've got to understand human history human psychology economic systems how humans communicate and the forms of communication everything from a written letter to today's you know euphemisms and and common slang you've got to understand family dynamics passion desire motivation yeah human health what how the body works uh any kind of relationship uh metaphysics certainly helps world religions and world beliefs governments and authorities how groups of people work including mob think and understanding that there is a huge part that we don't understand uh, we talked a little bit off of this um before we started uh about this particular time in our history and that uh, it, this hasn't happened before. And so I was wondering if you would like to speak a little bit about what is happening now um, and where we are going. Mm -hmm. I know Starting it's a big, in... big question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, that's one that, that, well, three hours later, I could still be talking about it and nobody wants to hear that. So... Let's give it the Cliff Notes version. The last time that Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter were all in the same sign was in the 1200s. There was massive change that went on in terms of, well, everything. Arts, sciences, history, um, medicine, just massive. But there was also massive upheaval. I'll let the listener go and look up the 1200s, yeah. uh, you know, in Wikipedia and see all of the stuff that went on. When we hit 2020, we came back to Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto back in the same sign. In 2020, Saturn and Pluto conjuncted. And then, uh, oh... Come on, brain. Sometimes when you look at the astrology years in advance and then you're looking at years in the past, you kind of forget where you are now. Um, so in uh, January of 2021, Saturn and Jupiter met. What that started doing was kicking off what Pluto in Capricorn is now finishing up. But Pluto and Capricorn, and I will come to that in just a minute, but Pluto and Capricorn is joined by the other two, what we call transpersonal planets. They're the three outer planets. They stay in a sign for long enough that they impact a generation. You know, Mercury stays on the planet, you know, 30-something days. Pluto, Uranus, Neptune, they stay in a planet for years. So when the United States, well, Pluto is in Capricorn. The last time it was in Capricorn, the United States was formed and we were in a revolutionary war. The last time that Neptune was in Pisces, as it is now, we were involved in the American Civil War. The last time that Uranus was in Taurus, as it is now, we are, were involved in World War II. So these transpersonal generational planets uh, have returned home to places where the last time they were there, we were embroiled in a war. Yeah. 
we are embroiled in a war in our own country. And this isn't about picking a political side right now. This is where the astrologer has to step back and note what they see without attaching to what they think is the right or the wrong of it. When Pluto went to 27 degrees Capricorn, it went back to the place where it was when the United States was formed. So countries go through a Pluto return. We don't because it takes 248 years for it to orbit around the sun. Pluto, called the planet of death and transformation, exposes corruption, rot, neglect, decay. And it doesn't, it exposes it. It didn't create it. So Pluto, when it moved into Capricorn in 2009, started the process of pulling back the onion layers. More specifically about the United States. But the United States is a leading superpower. So typically as the United States goes, here starts going the rest of the world. Right. So as we record this, Pluto is now at 27 degrees retrograde Capricorn. When we were formed, Pluto was at 27 degrees retrograde in Capricorn. Pluto did hit 27 degrees early in the year, but it was direct. So it did hit the same degree, but this is the real degree because it's a retrograde Pluto to a, a retrograde natal Pluto. Mm -hmm. In Capricorn, it is about attacking, I say attacking, revealing what's going on with big, ownersome, bloated, too big to function systems. This teeny tiny little planet that even the astrology, you know, the astrology community still considers a planet, but astronomy says as a dwarf planet, is swinging a mighty punch. There is no big system that will not be impacted by this punch. So big systems of government, medicine, education, military, religion, Anything big that as a system has gotten to the point where people talk about how bureaucratic it is, Pluto is getting ready to reveal that rot and that corruption and all of that nastiness. Reveal it. Again, it's been in the works since probably the early 1900s. What is going on is that because those three outer planets are in places where the last time they were in these signs, we were embroiled in wars, there is a warring energy going on. Mm -hmm. There is a war of an energy of you've got to take a side. And that if you are not for me, you are against me. What this will end up doing is changing the face of these big systems. And some of them will, will be destroyed. They, they, Pluto will end up in that revealing of all that rot also deliver the final blow. More to clean it out than anything. The final blow, it'll already be dead. All it will be doing is clearing it out. So any of us who are involved with big systems, if you are involved with big government, you work for government, you are a politician, your major client is government, you must prepare for that to be unstable and to make massive changes. Medicine, 
economics and finance, uh, academia, mm -hmm. the military, societal issues. The thing that we're going to see will be a whole lot of people taking sides to the point of their own detriment. It will be the people who will realize that actually the extreme and the fundamental on both sides of whatever it is you're looking at are the dangerous places to be mm -hmm. and are the places that will not, they can't stand. There's, there's an energy that they can't stand. I heard an astrologer one time say, the astrology helps me pick my politics, helps me define my politics. And I didn't get it then, but I get it now. If you are one who has aligned yourself to a political party, mm -hmm. a medical perspective, an academic perspective, if you are aligned in these systems, in, in some way that needs these systems in order to survive, meaning you have a belief system that needs those systems in order to survive, you are going to be the most impacted. If you are someone who owns your own belief system and it doesn't need a political party, it doesn't need an education perspective, it doesn't need a medical stamp of approval in order to own it, you'll be good. Yeah. But yeah, really, really if you're tied to those systems that Pluto is about to swing at, as it goes, so will you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, so we must stay rooted in our own authenticity. Yes. 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 And the quote unquote, smaller it can be, the more powerful it will be. Could you explain what you mean by that? Well, Capricorn is a sign of the big, but what is, is clearing it out? That little bitty Pluto, mm -hmm. that little dwarf planet. So part of why these systems are going down is because we can't feed them anymore. I mean, just if you just want to use an example, look at the U.S. economic system. It is what? How many trillion dollars are we in debt? Take that out and put the equivalent in your own personal finances. If you were that far in debt, that can't be substantiated very long. Right. So these big systems require resources. They require energy and time to maintain. At some point, they become too big to maintain. They're, they're like the, uh, this monster that's like, feed me, feed me, feed me. And you can never feed it enough. The power is in the small because all of your senses you can keep in tune with it. You can see it. You can smell it. You can taste it. You can feel it. You can manage it. You have an intuitive sense about it. It's not too big. That way you're more connected to it. So take the example, if I live in a town of 500 people versus 5 million, I'm much more connected to that town of mm -hmm. 500 people. And as things are going on with the town, with the people of the town, even if I don't know them personally, I know it. I, I see the results of it. Town of 5 million, I can't. So as Pluto is scraping this stuff away, we've got to get small in order to be able to have autonomy and maintain our energy and the energies that feed us and support us. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like what you're saying is instead of getting caught up in the big picture, um, it would be most beneficial for everyone and everything if we took the time to take that focus um, internally on ourselves. 
Yes. However, I will put an asterisk to a part of what you said, and that was about everything and everyone. There are a lot of people who are in this scenario right now who are um, the people who don't know their light. I am trying to be kind in how I Mm -hmm. describe certain people. So there are the light workers, the light walkers, and the people who don't see or know their light. Those people who don't know their light are the ones who are perpetuating every bit of this. They are perpetuating it because their ego is driving that, but their soul, for some particular reason, needs it. On the flip side of that, so does ours. Because all the light work and light walk in the world is real easy when things are hunky-dory. When things are chaotic, like they are now, you learn really fast whether you believe what you preach or not. So it's giving you and I a chance to, uh, yeah, that whole law of attraction thing. I don't know about that. We are proving spiritual theory or we're not for our own selves. So there is a group that their energy is, it, it is not, it's going down with the ship. And that's just where they are. And there's no judgment about that. It just is what it is, as they say. So they will not be able to get small. Big is what they know. And when big goes away, so will they. And so Pluto is in this position until when exactly? Pluto moves uh, into Aquarius in 2024. Um, it will move into Aquarius, but then it will immediately retrograde back into Capricorn for a bit. And then toward the end of 2024 into early 2025, it will be done with Capricorn and it will be into um, Aquarius until uh, 2040 something. Wow. Oh, wow. We better buckle up, it sounds like. Oh, I hope that you're buckled up already. If not, yes, please do. <laughs> so, so what advice could you give people for buckling up? Mm. Know who you are. Now that, that sounds, I got that. I, that's easy. What these current energies are hitting at and what they did in the 1200s is that it's hitting at your belief system. Now, I want you to think, belief is an incredibly powerful, motivating force. Belief sends people to war. Belief has people, will kill people. Belief will save people. Belief will sacrifice self. Belief is powerful. And we are all born into a world in which we may have our beliefs at this soul level that we came into with. But for the most part, the belief systems that we're getting are of mom and dad, brother, sister, family, the immediate neighborhood, school, (laughs) then the world when we go off to school, go to work later on, what, however we define the spiritual there comes a point where you really, really, really have to get down to, why do you believe that? And when you keep asking the question and doing the digging and asking the question and doing the digging, you get to the point of, wow, that was, that was mama's belief. And at that point, you decide whether you're going to perpetuate it or change it. Either way, if you perpetuate it or you decide to change it, you now have moved it from a place of belief to knowing. Now, when you perpetuate it, if you, if you mean in perpetuating it, you're doing it because I want it to. I want that, not because you think you're supposed to. So the point being, when you get to that point, 
that you are making a conscious choice on why you're picking up that belief. Either I'm picking it up because it's good. I believe it. I want to make it a part of me. I'm carrying it on. Or no, that was my mother's belief based upon her circumstances. I'm changing it. At that point, now you own it. And when you're in that place, outside influences don't sway you. You can have all kinds of people come in here and talk to me about astrology. And I would welcome it. Come and talk to me. I'm not trying to persuade you. Mm -hmm. But I will talk with you because I learn, I gain insight. But it has been so much a part of how I am perceiving and seeing the earth that it's it's a part of my belief system now. And you are going to have a hard time knocking me from it. Right. So it's that proverbial piece that passes all understanding. So know who you are. Know why you are aligned with a, uh, go through those big, those big organizations, a government, a political perspective, an economic perspective, um, an academic perspective, a medical perspective. Know why. This is a huge part of what Pluto, when it goes through Capricorn, is going to end up doing, and that is giving you self-authority capricorn is about authority the ultimate authority is self-authority people would say oh no it's god authority self-authority lets god move in it and as it so i would tell people the way to buckle in is to know yourself and once you think you know yourself know yourself some more yeah. And then continue to know yourself some more. I guarantee you from, the, from now to the moment that you take your last breath, there is still more to discover. Oh, the absolutely. more that you discover that and own it, the less somebody else can take it away or manipulate you because of it. Yeah, there seems to also be a component of self-trust in there too. Self-trust comes from those belief systems that you um, are participating in it and having the intellectual honesty to admit it when they work and don't work. Yeah, so, you know, religion is a real good one. Um, we can use that as a placeholder that regardless of the religion or the faith that you grew up in, it says... God is this way. God wants, says, demands, does this. And that you need to do it this way and everyone else is wrong. And that in their wrongness, there will be some kind of repercussion to that. That is someone else's belief system until you sit down and you do your own dance with it. And either it will prove itself or disprove itself. If it disproves itself, you've got to have the intellectual honesty to say to yourself, oh, oops, that's wrong. Maybe not wrong for everybody else, but for me, that don't work. And then back away from it. Once you do that, actually... Now you can trust yourself because you have watched yourself take your ego and go, whoa, buddy. Uh, no. Now you know you've done it once, you can do it again. So that's where the self-trust comes in. But you got to do it from that perspective. Yeah. And it seems that you've probably danced a lot with your beliefs and self-trust um, as you intertwine your identity as astrologer and also minister. Oh, good Lord. Yes. <laughs> An another topic that could keep us here until tomorrow morning. <laughs> yes. And, and do you call yourself a metaphysical Christian? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And would you like to explain what that entails? Oh, yes. <laughs> 
and this is a hot button and there may be people who are listening who when I finish with this will go eh, BS and they'll turn it off and well, that's okay and that's fine and I invite everyone to be within what is true for them so metaphysical Christianity is an understanding that Jesus came as a teacher and that his teachings were what were necessary to quote unquote save the human race and that in his teachings part of that was that you and your mother father god are one and as such you have an interaction with energy and matter that you don't yet understand. And that part of that is a mastery over the physical, a mastery over death, a mastery that says death is not an end. Death is where the direction and the road changed. Mm. And so that not that his death, was necessary in order to quote unquote save you but that his teachings remind you of who you are what you are capable of and that this is the 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 bigness of that god particle that god self in you There and now I am speaking strictly about metaphysical Christianity. A lot of what I just said sounds like maybe something that you would hear in a unity church, mm-hmm. or a Unitarian. Metaphysical Christianity does not um, say that any other uh, Christed individual, the Buddha, the Krishna, others were not in a Christed way that they were not valid teachers. But metaphysical Christianity aligns its energies to the teachings of Jesus, the Christ, just like Buddhist teachings aligns to the teachings of the Buddha. It doesn't exclude the others. It just says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of narrow my path and my focus. So, Ours is on the teachings of Jesus the Christ. In many Christian communities, there is a big discussion about what exactly were the teachings of Jesus. Metaphysical Christians are under the, how do I put this? It is our understanding. I'll put it this way. That the Bible that sits before you we know that our traditional Christians, brother, brothers and sisters, say that it is in the infallible word of God. We feel that all of that has been altered too much hmm. through things that the ego seeks. The thing that ego, the ego that Jesus came to teach us how to turn as a navigator and not the controller of our lives that those things altered the Bible in such a way that it made Jesus more divine than you are. Right. That his death was necessary in order for you to be uh, redeemed and redeemable. And that life is irrelevant without him. There is a ton of bible history the origins of the bible from the original aramaic text that people have got to put christianity into the perspective of jesus was raised in the aramaic culture the parables that he told were from that cultural context And when you read translations 
of the original Aramaic. Jesus spoke Aramaic. The people who live in the same areas where Jesus walked speak Aramaic. Mm -hmm. Arabic and Hebrew come from Aramaic. He spoke Aramaic. If you don't understand all of that, you don't understand the connotations of calling God Father. Right. You don't understand the connotations of his parables. You don't understand the connotations of when he says, follow me. You don't understand the connotation of what it means. Do this in my name. None can come to the Father except through me. You don't understand what that means until you put it in the Aramaic context. Jesus spoke plainly and clearly because the people of that time, unless you were uh, a Pharisee, unless you were a government official, you were typically poor and uneducated. Right. And so we go back to his original teachings that were co-opted after the Council of Nicaea and completely misunderstood after Aramaic was translated into Hebrew, Greek, Latin, and English. Yeah. I guess that's about the easiest way I could put it. That's that's lovely. Um, going back to the authenticity, which um, is the whole theme of this con uh, podcast, and absolutely, and, yeah, yeah, and and it also flows beautifully together with your whole philosophy of astrology um, and everything coming from the same place and originating in the same place. Um, absolutely. When you look at those people that we hold in, uh, you know, the light worker community calls them ascended masters. Uh, people outside of that would call the, the founders of those religions. You know, when you look at uh, Krishna, when you look at um, the Buddha, you find they all said the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's got to be some kind of golden thread and golden truth that runs through all of them. It's just that they all then turned around and put them into their cultural context. Yeah, absolutely. You explained it in a way uh, that is also very like clear and I think easy for people to connect with and understand. Well, thank you. I try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think you did a lovely job at it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything um, that we haven't gone over that you feel like you would like to talk about? I think the only thing that I would really bring up is that one of the big systems that is also about to undergo a major transformation is the spiritual community. Now, I mentioned religion, but let's talk about the quote-unquote spiritual community, the people who uh, say that they're, you know, that old line of, oh, I'm, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a big spiritual community out there. So there's a big spiritual community of astrologers and tarot readers and, and psychics, uh, people who are life coaches, people who are Reiki masters, people who are this, people who are that. Uh, it goes a gamut from uh, shaman to, um, uh, oh, what, uh, you know, energy worker, whatever. There's a big stew of those people. And there are a lot of them who've been in there for a long time. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of them who are in there for reasons other than the pure joy of doing that work. Mm -hmm. It isn't, the, it, they don't have it deep inside of them. I'm not saying that they are lying to you, but the motivation is not coming from the place of eating, sleeping, drinking, what it is that they want to share with you. 
over the next several years, you're going to see that community start to fall apart. Lies exposed. Seeing them completely act opposite of what it is that they advocate. But in a big sense, also attacking others in the community. So if you find yourself now and for the next couple of years, that there is an astrologer that you see, there is um, a a naturopath that you see, there's a Reiki master that you see, a dietitian, a life coach, and you get, you don't get this 100% feeling, you get like, well, okay, I mean, she's got a five-star rating, and I see, she's got all these referrals, something to feel right about it, just stop and go somewhere else. Either it's the methodology or it's the person. A lot of these people are going to be weeded out. People who are in it for motives that maybe right now they don't even understand. And for motives that I think a lot of people are going to be surprised how crooked some of this community can be. People who are telling you, oh, I I am a seventh generation psychic. I am a, uh, uh, I'm a grand muckety muck shaman. And it's not that they don't have talents, but they're telling you that it's, oh, it's coming from this mystical place of God that I've got and you don't have. When no, that it, it's no, they're using other techniques other than what they tell you. And they're not transparent about it. Part of when I do a reading for somebody, I really try to show you certain parts of your chart because I want you to understand it right. so that the next time you hear something about a, your son or something going on with Uranus and you look at it and oh doggone that's real close to mine you understand what it means that you don't have to call me up you understand it so I think I would say pay attention to the big the the quote-unquote big spiritual community and just pay attention to where you start to see Mm. cracks and crevices because that won't stop that's very wise. Thank you. And speaking of getting a reading with you, um, as I've had the pleasure of doing so, if someone would like to have a reading with you, um, what is that process like and where can we guide them? We can go to my website. I have an online booking calendar there. And uh, the website is bite, B-I-T-E, size, S-I-Z-E, astrology.com. There is a page that's clearly marked that says, you know, book a reading. And then you can just look at the calendar, see what's available. I do different kinds of readings from the basic natal chart reading to more complicated, what we call compatibility or synastry meeting readings. Uh, charts for if you are considering job changes, relocation changes, um, getting married, uh, getting divorced that type of thing and Mm -hmm. so the list of what i offer is uh, and the prices are then there perfect i will add that to the show notes so that people can click on that very easily thank you yeah so um, before we wrap up i have one last question that i ask um and that question is if your inner voice had a billboard what would it say to the world (laughs) be badass be badass. Yes. I like that. Me too. It's very Aquarian of you. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time, stay tuned in to you.